60 of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrano. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. Thank you for joining us. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. The Stanley Cup playoffs have been narrowed down to the Final Four. And if you thought that was good, it gets even better because Bet Online is offering you the chance for you to win some money while you watch. Because Bet Online has lines, spreads, and props on every game this season, so you never have to worry about missing out on the action. But whether it's the NHL, the NBA, or any other sport, Bet Online has you covered. So head on over to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. This is Believe in Hockey Prospects, the show all about discussing the future stars in the game of hockey. We believe in the future. Do you believe? This week, we'll be talking about the new Hockey East postseason format. But first... Augustana University is joining the college hockey family as the Vikings are set to add a Division I men's ice hockey team beginning in 2023. The school published a statement on Wednesday that the school will look to become one of the 60-plus programs that offer Division I hockey, making the Vikings the first team in the state of South Dakota to offer D1 college hockey. And according to ESPN's John Butchergross, they are planning on adding a rink on campus to be a part of the plan in establishing the team. So Jess, last month we suddenly lost Robert Morris in the college hockey world, and this past week we suddenly have found their replacement. What do you think of having hockey in Sioux Falls? Well, I don't know about calling him a replacement. Actually, I would say it's an upgrade. But in many ways, the fact that these guys are joining makes uh, Robert Morris's argument to disband the program that much weaker. I mean, I'm happy to see Augustana University, which has been a Division II school. It's really good to see a confirmed program that's going to start in because we keep hearing names of other places besides Robert Morris. We lost both Alaska schools. Alabama Huntsville's put their program in limbo. So, you know, it's great news. And, you know, they've been in Sioux Falls before for the NC2A regional. So it's already established that they will have support from fans. And it's good news. And, you know, if you want to go even further, there's rumors. I mean, College Hockey News did a story on this. And they, they mentioned other names like uh, Tennessee State and Nashville. They might consider adding hockey. Illinois and Navy too, but as they reported, there's no real story going on, but it's always good news to see a new program. I mean, this is a really cool addition for college hockey. I'd be lying if I said to you that I had heard of Augustana University before this past week, but South Dakota getting college hockey is great for a couple of reasons. There's so much great competition nearby. You've got NDAC, Omaha, the Michigan and Minnesota schools. And something I saw online, Jess, you kind of brought this up already. This announcement, an argument behind it that I can really get behind, is this puts some pressure on some bigger schools in the area to start adding college hockey. You know, we look back at this time last year, we heard the fighting Illini were almost ready to lock in a hockey season, and then COVID hits, and they talked their way out of it, and they kind of fall back, and the whole plan falls out. I've talked about it before on this show, how huge universities across the nation nowadays are begging on their hands and knees for more money. But if the Augustana Vikings in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, with their undergraduate class of 1,500 kids can figure it out, 
Why can't a school like Illinois or Indiana or Nebraska put something together? What's their excuse now? Like you said with Robert Morris, they wanted to have more of a small school fit and look, and that's why they dropped hockey. Sioux Falls, man, they are right there with everyone else leading the train with not a lot of kids on campus. To go back on the location aspect of it, the Midwest has offered some of, if not the best, college hockey for a long time now. So I hope this creates some competition in the long run. But not only that, I think South Dakota is a great spot to recruit, get some phenomenal players. I saw that Bemidji State and St. Cloud are two teams that are in conference with Augustana and all of their other sports. So they'll have some peer institutes to guide them through the process. They can look at LIU and Arizona State as two places that should not have college hockey but have somehow made it work. I think they can pull it off and just, this might be a hit. I think Vikings hockey can be very exciting in the coming years. I think it would too, because like you said, they're in other sport conferences. So there's the natural rivalry there. I mean, Augustana's going up against North Dakota. That'd be a really good matchup. I mean, North Dakota, one of the top programs in the country. I could see them playing Augustana and... I think they would be pretty much a natural fit with the schools you mentioned. Thank you, Augustana. Let's add more hockey. And I think you hit it right on the nose. Why aren't the bigger schools? Why isn't Illinois? Why isn't Navy? Or heck, you know, I live out west. I see club hockey. Central Washington has a club team. Washington, Washington State, Oregon, and even UCLA and USC have club programs. So the money's there. They just got to decide to spend it. And please don't give me this, well, Division One, blah, blah, blah. It's so hard. There's a Pac-8 club program. It wouldn't be hard to upgrade immediately. Heck, Oregon, they already have an arena. The Matt Knight Arena already has a hockey plant in its arena. Let's expand. Next up on the college hockey front, Hockey East has announced a format change to their postseason tournament. Beginning in 2022, all 11 men's programs and all 10 women's programs will compete in the Hockey East tournament for the Lamorello and Bertagana trophies. This format would have the 6, 7, and 8 seeds host the 11, 10, and 9 seeds respectively in the opening round for the men, and the 7 and 8 seeds would host the 10 and 9 seeds for the women. In the old format, the tournament would only include the top eight teams of the conference to compete for a chance at an automatic bid to the national tournament. So, Jess, we got to taste this past season seeing every team compete in the postseason tournament. What do you think of this permanent change? It's a good thing for Hockey East. I mean, they always have to fight to get the number of schools in. It's going to make the argument to expand the national tournament up to 32 schools because how are you going to say no to, you know, the sixth seed in Hockey East if it has a good tournament? They come up and they can now steal the automatic bid. So what happens to the one, two seeds that are in the Hockey East program? It also keeps the Hockey East teams fresher for the NC2A tournament. So I like the fact that they got rid of this best of three first round so by the time you got to the final game, you were exhausted. Yeah, personally, I don't mind it. I like the idea of giving every team a chance to compete because I think more upsets happen in hockey than in any other big four sport. Now, I can't prove that. I don't have the statistical data with me here. But just looking at this past year in the Frozen Four, 
we had no number one seed from any region make it to Pittsburgh. So that is certainly something to consider when looking at this. But I've seen the argument online, and a couple people have talked to me, that it's a waste of time that nobody wants to see Vermont, who had one win this past season, play another game. Or you get a game like Maine versus Merrimack, and that doesn't draw any fans to watch the game. But let's not forget that this past year in the Hockey East tournament, Jess, UMass Lowell were a play-in team that had a losing record in the regular season. They took out both Boston teams and held the national champion Minutemen to one goal in the Hockey East Championship. And the reason I bring that to you is because I don't know what sport you think you're watching if you think these tournaments are going to be all chalk. It doesn't work that way. Oh, no. And just correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty positive most of, if not all, of the other conferences' tournaments have them giving every team a shot to play for the conference tournament, I know that the WCHA used to do one through eight, but the old CCHA used to have everyone play. So with this new conference, everyone leaving the old one, coming to reform the CCHA, I'm not sure what they're going to do for their postseason tournament, but I like giving these players a chance to go for it all and make a splash in front of the entire nation during the Frozen Four. Oh, I am with you on this. You know, if it's a single elimination tournament, I think it's only fair that you add everybody. I'm not a fan of the best of three, that weekend series at the top higher seeds. I like this, you know, one game, win, you're in, lose, you're out. I love that because it, it means that every game is sudden death and there's nothing more fun in hockey than sudden death games. Absolutely. And Jess, since we are getting closer and closer to the NHL draft, I figured why not spotlight a couple guys that we really like. So Jess, I'm going to ask you for one player that you think might go in the first round or second round that you really like. I know we talk about Owen Power and Matty Beneers and Dylan Gunther all the time, but give me one guy you think might go in the first or second round that you really like. And how about a guy that might go even later than those two rounds that you really enjoy watching as well? Well, actually, I got three players that I really like. The first one is for the Rangers. Hopefully, he's there at 15. And that's Cole Sillinger, who played for the Sioux Falls in the USL. But he actually is a WHL kid. He's a center left winger. I love him at center. I love the fact that he's a physical presence on the ice. He's smart. I like that he's left-handed, too, because on face-offs, it gives him a little bit of an extra edge. He's a guy that I think if you let him, if you let him sit and develop, don't force feed him. Don't say, oh, I drafted him number one. He's got to play right away. No, leave him, leave him in medicine hat in the WHL. Let him play and, and develop naturally. The next guy is Francisco Pinelli. He's normally from the OHL, but he played in Slovakia. Uh, he's another center. About six foot, 185 pounds, good, smart kid. He's really kind of like the best way to put him is he's the guy that's going to show up with the lunch pail. He's going to do the job, stop, take a break, have a cup of coffee, get back to work, get back into the dirty parts of the game, the corners, fight puck battles. He's going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's destined to be that guy that will stand up in the slot and score goals. And my third guy is a goalie because the Rangers have a kid, you know, already on his team. I watch just about every game and that's Sebastian Kosser. He's a huge goalie. I'm talking six foot six, 
210. He was the best goalie in the WHL, bar none. And I know people are going to say, no, that was Dustin Wolf. No, I think Kosa, because he had to play against more tough players, is the goalie of the year for the WHL. Just plays the game so naturally. And he's a really good kid. I think is definitely destined to be a top goalie in the NHL. There's so many guys that we talk about on this show, the same 10 or 15 guys that we know are going to be first-round talents, so many different guys that we know are going to be great players, and I think it's time that we start talking about the rest of them. So one guy that I've seen, a lot of people say he's going to be at the top of the second round, but actually I just saw for the first time a couple people have him going at the bottom of the first. Isaac Rosen out of Lexand IF in Sweden. Jess, I think he might have one of the nicest releases I've ever seen out of a player coming out of this draft. His shot is just a thing of beauty. I could watch it for days and days. Not only that, but he's got some incredible speed. He skates like the wind. He finds a way to create space so the puck can get to the crease into the net. I think his shot is something special. It's going to work him really into the conversation to be a first round talent. Isaac Rosen is going to be a perfect for someone who's made it deep in the playoffs or looking for that high talent player, someone who can come quick. Someone like a Vegas or a Montreal, someone who might get bounced out in this next round of the playoffs. And then looking a little bit further down the draft, somewhere in the second or third round, right winger out of the NTDP, Liam Gilmartin. I really liked his game, Jess. He's got no issue getting to the front of the net. And another thing that he does on top of shooting and getting that net front presence. He's 6'2", 190. He's laying some huge hits on players his age. Obviously, he's going to have to bulk up when he gets to the league, get a little bigger, get a little stronger. But to see how physical his game is right now, to think of the kind of player he can be at the next level is just super enticing for anyone. And also, I talked about this last draft. Personally, I know a lot of people will try and downplay it. I think your last name goes a very long way in this league. And last week, we talked about Peyton Krebs, the player of the year in the WHL. His little brother, Drew, though, is going to be a draft prospect this year. And Jess, he gets a lot of praise for his offense, but I think he looks like an incredible two-way defender. The most impressive thing about his game, in my opinion, is the fact that he can skate and turn on a dime in half a second. It's incredible. He's completely fooled a couple different guys. You watch his highlight reel, he is going left, right, any which direction you name, he can skate that way. Defense is really well, and he's got a great shot to boot. I'm seeing people say that he can go in the late fourth round the fifth round I think that's a great gamble I would happily take Drew Krebs at that point in the draft I think he's going to be an excellent player well I want to go back to Isaac Rosen the only reason he's down so low is the fact that people are kind of be scared off that he's he's like only 5'10 but I think he's a player to watch he's probably really good dark horse to possibly jet up in the rankings he's hurt by being only 5'10 he's hurt because he's over in Sweden and they didn't really get enough eyes on him here in the States. But everything you said about him, I mean, you know, our friend Steve, Steve loves him. Matter of fact, just recently, Steve said he's one of the quickest skaters. He owns a deadly one-timer, and he's shown his versatility because he can kill penalties. That's not something you ignore. So I wouldn't be surprised if this kid is a dark horse to jet up, you know, as high as maybe 18, 19, maybe 20. Once the teams are going to go, oh, crap, this kid is out there. 
I think he's that good. Well, those are some prospects for this week, but we'll have to talk about more next time because that's going to do it for us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Prospect Park for Jess, at Luke Legrano for myself. If you liked this episode, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes, follow us wherever you get your podcasts, and share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Believe in Hockey Prospects presented by Bet Online. My name is Luke Legrano. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. Thank you for taking your time to listen to us. See you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Take care.